Engaging Leader, Episode 40, Five Keys to Leading Innovation, featuring Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. How do you avoid mediocrity and apathy in the team you lead? At many companies today, innovation is the rallying cry, but bunting for singles is the everyday ethic. So how can you lead a team to be truly innovative? To help us address this question, I'm pleased to invite back to our show our previous guest, Todd Henry. Todd is the author of the book, The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice. He regularly speaks at companies and conferences about how to build practices that lead to better ideas. Well, Todd, welcome back to the Engaging Leader Podcast. Thanks, Jesse. It's great to be here. Why would you say it's important for a manager or a leader to think about it and understand the dynamics of creativity? Well, look, as a leader, you're, I mean, one of the primary functions of your job is creative, which is to problem find and to define reality for your team. Um, and I think a lot of leaders fall down when they stop thinking about how can I stay ahead of where my team is? How can I clarify my expectations for the team by defining reality for them? Which means you have to go out ahead of them, which means you're venturing directly into uncertainty and trying to find problems and solve them ahead of your team, which is the definition of creativity. So for leaders, you have to, not only do you have to be tapped into your ability to think clearly and and to think creatively about the the problems your team is that's not even on your team's radar yet but you also have to be aware of how those dynamics function so that you can better structure your team and structure your expectations to set your team up for success a lot of companies today talk about the importance of being innovative and in a lot of companies, there's a danger of assuming that innovation happens in the R&D department. But should a manager or a leader make it a priority to teach their team to view themselves as creatives in, in any part of the company, not just R&D? Absolutely. No, no question about it. And, and this is, I think this is the real danger that a lot of companies... The, the, it's the trap that they've fallen into over the course of time, right? Because it's been convenient to do that. And now that a lot of companies are bootstrapping, they're trying to figure out how do we do more with less, they're realizing, oh, we haven't been focused on trying to unleash the full potential of the people that we've trained, we've hired, we put in the right place, and, and we've not been unleashing their full potential. Um, you know, We need to be innovating in place, basically. We need every single person in the organization to be finding ways of doing more with less. And a lot of times that means process-based innovation, not product-based innovation. And when we think about you know, innovation happens in the R&D department, we're typically talking about product-based innovation, which means, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to come up with some new uh, thing we're going to take to market, and that's going to be the value that our company adds, and great, and that kind of filters down through the ranks. But a lot of the innovation, the pressure to innovate that I'm seeing in organizations now especially is process-based innovation, which means how can we do more with less? How can we influence the organization to change the way it thinks about 
uh, how it operates so that we can be more effective in going to market. And that's not the kind of innovation I think that many that's been on the radar of many companies when times are good. But now that times are lean, a lot of leaders are feeling the pressure to um, to unleash more of their baked in capacity within the organization. And, and again, a lot of that is process-based innovation. Let's say you lead a team in the finance department. I think we've agreed that it would be great if they were more creative, but, but can creativity truly be influenced? Oh, absolutely. It can be influenced. And I think as a leader, and, and we're talking here about leadership primarily um, in, in this episode, I think it's your job as a leader to make sure that you're providing the structure for your team that will enable them to have predictable ground uh, to, to play on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's hard to do. It's really hard to do, but there are some specific things. If it's okay, I mean, I'd love to go into a couple of sure. specific principles as leaders that we can we can utilize. The first is, I call this be a laser, not a lighthouse, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we tend to, as leaders, focus on what we want our team not to do, right? So don't go here, don't go there. Don't go here, don't go there. That's what a lighthouse does. Um, a lighthouse shows you where not to go. If you go over here, you're going to hit the rocks, right? But in a create-on-demand environment, we need leaders to be lasers. We need them to be hyper-focused. We need them to be pointing the direction that we need to be going. People need something certain to latch onto in the midst of uncertainty. And as a leader, you need to provide that. So you need to define reality for your team. You need to help them understand what the real risks are, what the real expectations are, and make sure that they understand with crystal clear laser-like focus, here's what I expect of you. Because they're dealing with enough uncertainty in their job, right? Mm -hmm. You want them, again, to have enough structure to be able to get messy in their work. Um, So you have to define reality for them in that way. Um, the second thing I would say, Jesse, is you know there's a misunderstanding I think about what a healthy team is, especially in a creative environment. I think a lot of people tend to confuse passiveness and amiability with health on a team. And some of the most healthy teams I've been around, they've been teams where people are fighting, teams where people are arguing, they're they're constantly grappling with one another, trying to get somebody to move to their point of view, right? But at the end of the day, they line up behind whatever decision is made and they all work as hard as they can to execute it. So I always tell leaders, encourage dissent and foster discontent on your teams, you know, that as a leader, you need to be encouraging dissent. You want people arguing ferociously for their point of view. You want people fighting for what they believe in. If you've done a good job of hiring, you want to get the best out of those people. Hopefully, you're hiring for divergent points of view as well. And by foster discontent, I mean, don't let your team fall into this mode of, well, we're pretty good at what we do. Instead, move the bar, right? Tell mm-hmm. them, hey, we're good for this, but here's where we're going. And to, to be good at this, we're going to have to really up our game and constantly foster that discontent within your team so that they feel like there's something to strive for. Um, and again, it's, it's important because we, otherwise we, we tend to fall into mediocrity and apathy on our teams. The third principle, Jesse, that I would say is you have to defend your team to the death. Right, the fastest way to permanent le- failure as a creative leader is to sell out your team. Period. It doesn't matter what you do after that. You can you can defend them all you want after that, but if you sell them out once, they're not going to trust you again. 
you have to take the most arrows as a leader, which means you have to stand up and defend your team to the death, defend the decisions. If a decision's made and you're the leader, it's your decision. I don't care who made the decision. If you put them in place, if you hired the people, it's your decision. You have to defend your team to the death, right, as a leader. And it's important to provide that safe ground for them to take risks and try things. Um, the fourth thing, I call this sometimes I call it think backward forward because people don't like the way I normally talk about it, but I'll talk about it the way I normally talk about it, which is remember the spilled blood, right? There are people on your team who have poured blood, sweat, and tears into their work and they have sacrificed a lot to contribute to the team. And a lot of times there's a, what have you done for me lately mindset within organizations. And when you do this, it's incredibly demotivating to the people on your team. You have to remember the spilled blood. You have to remember, even if somebody falls short temporarily in the short term, you have to remember what that person has contributed over time and not cheapen their sacrifice because they fell short on one project, right? Because that's the quickest way to to demotivate someone and have them um, shrink back and not contribute what they're fully capable of contributing. And then finally, the, the last thing I would say, Jesse, is clarity always trumps certainty, okay? You're never gonna be certain as a leader and you're not gonna have all the answers, especially if you're leading creative teams. You're never gonna know the right thing, but you have to be crystal clear about what you expect from your team. So we talk about um, project strategy versus creative strategy, right? The five W's are project strategy, who, what, when, where, why. You have to define those with extreme clarity. Here's who we're doing it for, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, here's when it's gonna happen, here's where it's gonna happen, right? We have to define those things with crystal clarity and be ready at a moment's notice to define those again if somebody has questions. We may not know how we're gonna do it, the creative strategy, and that's fine. That's the uncertainty part, but you have to be really clear about your expectations in the face of uncertainty. So again, your team will have that defined structure to play in. So in that case, you may not have certainty on the how. How are we going to go do that? That's that's something we need to sort through together, Right. but you need to be crystal clear on the whys. Why are we doing this? Why is it important so that people you can ignite people's passions? Exactly right. And again, the, the, the defining principle there is you have to be clear even in the face of uncertainty. When you're unclear about something, it's going to create anxiety, tension, frustration, dissonance, fear. All of these things are going to emerge in your, in your team's dynamic because people won't – they'll be afraid to try something because they don't know exactly what you expect of them. You have to be clear about your expectations if you want them to feel the courage to take risks in their own creative process. In episode 38, you and I talked about some strategies and structures that help maximize creativity while maintaining healthy work habits. One structure from your book that you and I haven't discussed is clustering tasks. What do you mean by that? You know, we pay a task switching penalty anytime we move from thing to thing. And a lot of times people don't think about that task switching penalty when they structure their time. So uh, they may be they may have 10 minutes, they're going to sit down and they're going to think about a problem that they're facing or try to come up with an idea. But then, you know, they get this ping of an email that comes in. So they break their focus and they do, they respond to an email. Then they go back to thinking about the problem. And then somebody knocks on their door and they, you know, break up, break that. And then they go back. And when, whenever we switch back and forth and back and forth like that, we are 
we pay a task switching penalty, meaning that we have to gear back up. We have to get our mind back in that mode. And we tend to think if I have the time available, then I'm capable of doing something. But the reality is there are all these other factors that have to align in order for us to really effectively do our work. And one of those factors is focus, as we talked about. You know, most experts would say that anytime your focus is broken, it can take anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, some experts say as long as 20 minutes, to regain the depth of focus you had prior to that interruption. So what I recommend for folks is if you have deep thinking work that you want to do, you want to try to come up with ideas for projects, or you really want to focus in on something, block off time to do those largely conceptual tasks all at once rather than trying to bounce back and forth from highly concrete to highly conceptual, to highly concrete to highly conceptual. Because every time you do that, you pay a task switching penalty. If you're involved, and you've probably seen this, I'm sure, Jesse, in your life as well, if you're involved in deep, immersive work, you can often bounce from project to project, and you're still in that mode of deep thought. And it doesn't really interrupt the flow of your thought just because you're switching from subject to subject. But if you are thinking about a problem, and then, oh, I'm going to go respond to an email. Oh, okay, I'm going to go answer a phone call. It breaks that vibe, it breaks up your work in such a way that you begin to pay a task switching penalty and you have to gear back up to get back into your work. So clustering is all about making sure you're putting all of your conceptual work together and as much of your concrete work together as you can, at least, again, as much as you're able to do that so that you have time blocked off for those highly conceptual tasks. Clustering tasks is a structure that requires having boundaries. Another structure from your book is carving out idea time. And that requires boundaries too. But as leaders, I think we're often tempted because we are moving so fast and we have shifting priorities and we're laser focused on what we need to get done at a, at a moment in time. It seems like we can run ramshod over the structures that our team would have in place so that they can be brilliant in a moment's notice. And do you have to have conversations with, with leaders to, to help them honor the, the healthy structures that their team has? Absolutely. And you know, this is, I'm glad you bring this up because this is the single biggest problem, Jesse, that exists on teams. We don't talk to one another. We don't have conversation. And it astounds me. I come in and I lead workshops for teams all the time and I'll share with them this, this principle that I call the five conversations, right? And we'll, I'll talk about the conversations. And I can't tell you how often a, a hand will come up in the back room and say, so you're saying we should talk to one another. Like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. It's amazing to me. We talk about the work, right? We talk mm -hmm. about the things we expect, but we don't talk about how we're doing the work. We don't talk about our needs in that space. All of the meta stuff that surrounds the project, we don't discuss that. But guess what? That's where all the great work comes from. It's, it comes from that adjacent possible around the work that we're actually doing. So we talk about everything except for the place where the real value comes from. We have to be good at having those boundary type conversations with our team. So, hey, if, if somebody on my team says, look, I have nothing left to give. I am completely fried. I am wiped out. I need, I need them to feel the freedom to say that to me without feeling like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to can them tomorrow because they had that conversation with me, right? Now, if somebody comes to me every week and says, I'm completely fried. I need to take a couple days or whatever, right? That's a totally different conversation that we need to have. But if, I, if I've put the right people on my team, 
I want them to feel the freedom. And, and by the way, I'm also equipping them and I'm aligning them around the right objectives. I want them to feel the freedom to talk about the work and how they're doing the work and not just feel like we have this purely mechanical type relationship um, because that doesn't serve anybody. If we're not being honest with one another, then we're not going to feel free to, to engage our work with everything we have. If we're constantly trying to position and buffer ourselves against any of the consequences of those kinds of honest conversations. So the more we can clear the air of all that stuff, the better off we're going to be free to engage in the work that we're actually being paid to do. Well, Todd, as we wrap up our conversation today, do you have any closing thoughts for us? Yeah, I would just say in reference to what we've been discussing, be purposeful about your creative process, right? Um, don't take it for granted. Be be purposeful about how you structure your life. Be purposeful about focus, relationships, energy, stimuli, and hours. Um, and I would submit to you that the most lofty goal that you can have as it relates to your life and your work is that you want to be prolific, meaning you're doing a lot of work, brilliant, meaning you're doing good work, and healthy, meaning you're doing it in a sustainable way. And if you don't focus also on being healthy and how you approach your work, you're eventually, eventually going to lose the other two, prolific and brilliant as well, because you're not a machine you're not wired to be a machine, and if you try to function like a machine, you will eventually find that you will crash, you will burn, uh, you will be frustrated, you will be burned out, and you will spend the rest of your life in misery. Okay, so <laughs> that's painting a good picture for you. Be prolific, be brilliant, be healthy, and be purposeful about your creative process, friends. Don't hold back. We need your contribution. We need you to be who you are. Well, Todd Henry is the author of the Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice, and the host of the podcast, Accidental Creative, and the founder and CEO of a company called Accidental Creative, where he helps creatives and teams to be prolific, brilliant, and healthy. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jesse. You can learn more about Todd and his firm at accidentalcreative.com. We'll put a link to his site and his book in our show notes for this episode, which you'll find at engagingleader.com forward slash 40, as in episode 40. Also, check out episode 28 if you hadn't already heard it. That's when Todd and I discussed how to be brilliant at a moment's notice. If you aren't already subscribed to Engaging Leader, you can find us in Stitcher as well as in iTunes. If you want to subscribe in iTunes, we'll redirect you to the right place if you go to engagingleader.com forward slash iTunes. Be sure to read my ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders Become a Better Leader in Every Area of Life. You can get a free copy at engagingleader.com forward slash book. And don't miss the next episode of Engaging Leader when we'll discuss using people analytics to improve productivity and happiness. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.